0: Waterfall Podcast. I'm James. He's Joe. Hello, Joe. What's up, James? Exactly. What is up? Where are you? We have to go through that. Come on.
1: I'm in North Texas. My final podcast from North Texas.
0: If ever? You think, oh, what if we meet up there like at a tournament? We're going to do a podcast. We have to do Dude, that in just person. Just
1: like a podcast from San Antonio yeah, before and from California. Okay. That. But this is going to be my last one that's going to be in North Texas. So Fair yeah. enough. Uh, next week I will be in San Antonio for sure so
0: okay um I forgot to ask you off the air what what's up with your house so I'll, I'll ask you that when we're done here I'm, now I I'm, you've got me curious um, this is our 52nd episode, and I, I wanted to bring up one thing about scheduling before we start to get into some content, which is we're gonna take a break, man. <laughs> like we've been doing this nonstop for a year, essentially. Um, and it is the dog days of summer, and that's my way of putting it. I don't know if other people agree.
1: We are take a break because James is going on vacation.
0: Well, that's for sure. I mean, I'm not gonna deny that. My wife's turning 50, so she's dragging me all over the place. I mean, I. Of course, I'm making fun, but we're going to very nice places for her birthday and visiting with her in-laws up in Delaware and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it, it still would be possible to do the podcast even when I'm on the road, but I don't want to. So if you want to – hey, Joe, if you want to do it by yourself, that's fine. I, I don't have a problem with that, <laughs> but we're going to take a break. I, right. I think we I think we deserve it.
1: It's this week and next week. Right. And then you're going to take a break.
0: I'm leaving the 25th. So we'll do right. So this week, next week. Yes, that's I misunderstood what you meant. But yeah, 21st will be the last one for a while. But it also makes sense. It's like 52 weeks. It's essentially a full year. And then we can start season two when we get back. So and hopefully there'll be some other news to talk about as well. All right. So. uh Upcoming – so tonight's town hall is not going to take place, but what's going on – well, what, what what's going on tonight and uh, what's going on for the rest of the month with regard to Coaches to Coaches and the town hall and all of the things that you're involved yeah,
1: with? we town hall uh, uh, this week. We do have Coaches to Coaches this Thursday at 1230 with Sean Flood. We have – and then we'll have two more Coaches to Coaches after that through the end of July, and then we're pushing off the town halls for one week. And next week's going to be a master's water Pole town hall. Oh yeah. The week after that, we're going to have another diversity town hall. And then the week after that, we're going to have another, um, and then we're going to have Southwest zone events committee town hall.
0: Yeah. What's that all about?
1: Um, so the Southwest zone has put together an, an events committee. Um, so it's a subcommittee of the zone board. Um, and basically their, their jobs are going to be to run the Southwest zone events and, And then Southwest Zone events are tags each year. Um, It's also going to be the Southwest Zone uh, national kind of junior Olympic qualifiers Mm. and any qualifiers for Champions Cup. So and those are going to be run by the Southwest Zone uh, events committee moving forward.
0: Is an events committee a common occurrence across zones or is this a fairly unique thing to Texas or to Southwest rather?
1: Um, I think it's a unique thing to the Southwest zone. Okay. Um, I do think that the Southwest zone, for those that don't know, we have more events in the Southwest zone than any other zone outside of California and a couple zones in California. So yeah. we do have a ton of events and that's good because we want to give our athletes as much opportunity to play and compete as possible. Um, and, and because we, these events have gotten bigger, tags have gotten bigger. We're talking about doing, Tags uh, uh like like a tag kind of during the high school season in the fall. We're also talking about doing a tag spring. So the number of events that are run by the zone has ha, yeah has gotten yeah more and more. That now those duties are, are going to be split up amongst of uh like you know kind of five people. So
0: okay yeah that yeah that makes that makes sense and geographically distributed and all of that as well yeah, yeah. yeah. okay um and, the, also,
1: and then yeah. then the events committee is also going to be running the Southwest Zone calendar as well. Okay. So responsible for posting on the calendar and updating the calendar, and kind of and kind of working with the host to make sure that they have proper dates, and that that is an easy way for us to stay kind of up to date, you know, throughout the zone. And you know, and 2021 is going to be a much different year than any previous year. No kidding. And not even because of the pandemic. It's going to be different because of the high school season. It's going to be because we're going to have two high school seasons in 2021. Right. Like like the last. Uh, hopefully. Uh, like the last hopefully. Yes, hopefully. Uh, yes, James, hopefully. So the spring 2021 and then the fall of then the, the first kind of USL uh, season in the fall of 2021. Right. As soon as that fall of 2021 season's over until, you know, after the high school swim season is done, there's probably going to be some club. Yeah, some club water pool going on.
0: Absolutely.
1: I just don't think we're going to be going for three or four months without, you know, club Waterfall. Right. So I mean, like the fall season, it used to go till the middle of November. Now the high school season is going to end in the middle of October. We're probably going to have a tags championship kind of in there at some point for the for the younger kids. Right. We're probably going to have a a couple of tournaments, and that's gonna be and then that'll also be time, you know, when when teams can go off to. Of California or the East coast to go on trips and stuff like this. Granted they have to kind of, especially the older kids have to work it out with their high school swim teams and stuff, but it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge to put together a newer type calendar once that time comes.
0: So I hate to be the guy who compares everything to California, but one of the, I actually love the fall high school season because so you do the fall high school season, then your, your high school athletes are even let's just say 60 to 70% of them are going to be swimming. Okay. So fine. That's what they do. And then it gives you time to do, at least in California, what we did was middle school leagues. We have a similar thing here. I mean, they're club related, I would suggest more than that, but you have all this opportunity to let these, you know, these athletes who are up to ninth grade, eighth grade to play, um, without sort of having 18 and unders around them all the time. I, I think the opportunity is awesome in the spring of 2020, 2022, really.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so as soon as the fall 2021 season happens and then from from that until through next J.O.'s, it's going to be club water polo for everybody. Yeah. yeah be a little conflict during the winter with high school swimming for the high school age kids. But, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be nine months straight, kind of leading straight into um kind of high school water or or to J.O.'s. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't I don't I've always been. Been a fan of the fall high school season. Right. The only reason that, it, that I was a big fan of it switching to the spring was to find a place in time to allow it to grow without the conflict with high school swimming.
0: Right. Totally fair. Yep. One of the other benefits, as we've talked about before, is that, uh, again, some certain California teams were making noises about coming out here to play the high school season. That would be incredible. That would be really fun. Anyway.
1: I think that's going to happen. I think it's going to open up four and a half. We're gonna be able to have some big tournaments in November, December here. Yeah. So um, and teams are gonna be coming out here, whether it's high school teams or or club teams, and it's just to open up opportunities.
0: Yep, I love it. Um, speaking of the calendar, um, a couple things taken off, and there's still stuff stuff on there from uh, that we thought was gonna be on there. Is that right? So
1: um, the calendar, um, the Dallas Summer Classic has been canceled, um, and. And the um, Zillow Beach tournament has been canceled as well. Yeah, bummer. Um, it's not that they've been canceled because of lack of interest. It's just they're not going to be able to have facilities. Right. And just because of the current situation in Texas that they just don't feel comfortable moving forward. Yeah. Um, what is still on the calendar is the Welcome to Texas shootout, which is still in San Antonio over Labor Day weekend. So I think that's the next kind of major kind of weekend tournament that's on the calendar. So we're going to do everything in our power to have that tournament.
0: What do you know about the is it is it a local facility issue more than anything? What I mean is that there are there are likely to be rules associated with how that competition takes place. Do we know anything about what that might look like in San Antonio?
1: Not right now. I mean Okay. Yeah, there's going to be a, a lot of rules and it's 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 one of those things where is the, uh, is the local kind of environment going to let those type of competitions happen? Right. Um, and then also, are teams going to be comfortable going to those
0: events? Exactly.
1: Oh, we can have a tournament, but if no teams want to go, then we can't have a tournament. Right. So, we're, again, we're going to do everything in our power to have that tournament. Um, and uh, But then, you know, kind of once we're there... Yes, there's going to probably have to be social distancing guidelines. You know, right. it was a coach actually asked me. It was kind of, it's kind of curious. What are we going to do after games are over?
0: I know, no shaking hands.
1: Or is it just going to be waving? Is it yeah. just kind of doing a
0: cheer? It's a, it's you know? Premier League where they do the forearm bump, you know.
1: Or like you know, the kids on the bench.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're sitting right next to one another.
1: So are they like? Do we need to put them in the water? But like yeah. in the water behind the goal line. It's not going to work, but then they're, but then they're like two inches kind of, kind of from each other. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, it's an interesting, these are interesting uh, topics that we were with, that we will have answers for here kind of soon. And hopefully we'll be able to have that event.
0: The the whole thing is so weird because we've been practicing since May 18 and we've had um, and done a, a lot of work. Actually, it's been really productive. But we've never allowed for, um, you know, with rare exceptions, we've never allowed people to get within two meters of one another, in or out of the pool. And so the whole idea of playing water polo, where you know, physical contact, right? It's just so foreign to me right now. I I'm I can't wait, but I'm also um, interested in how those rules will be interpreted.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. And I mean, and the UIL this week is actually they allowed their like their summer camp training to allow offense first defense so
0: isn't that amazing
1: yeah I know. <laughs> it's uh it's definitely different so and I, and I don't know how that's going and how I, I don't know if the different school districts are doing that or coaches are taking kind of like like advantage of it but you know i mean we do have an upcoming football season so it could it could simply be like a little test to see if it's going to work for the upcoming football season
0: no so. kidding there, how much more intimate can you get? You're like whacking each other, you know, face to face and screaming and yelling and spitting and, you oh know, boy, yeah, we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be kind of kind of interesting, you know. I mean, like baseball, I understand there is a bit of a social distancing to it. Yeah. Basketball, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. you know, they have their bubble for the NBA, you know, so, yeah. um, and that's very, very controlled, but you can't really do that for the NFL because there's so many uh, more people on, like like, on the teams and it's just there's it's gonna be interesting yeah <laughs> i'm very curious if we're gonna have high school football this uh like this fall i hope we do. I, yeah. do I hope we do i hope kids can go back to school um but i think that it's it's the responsibility of the leaderships in place to do what's going to be in the best interest of the athletes their families their coaches their staff the like the teachers and You know just be responsible
0: so yeah all right well we'll come back with a little bit more
2: all of tx water polo is brought to you advertising free and we'd like to keep it that way so we're asking for your help show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash give so we can keep covering the sport we love in the lone star
1: state Hi, this is Brenda Villa, 4th time Olympic medalist, and whenever I want to hear about Texas Water Polo, I tune in to the TX Water Polo podcast.
0: James and Joe, are back with you. Um, hey, Joe, you were on a podcast last week in, in Missouri. And in case anybody, I, I think we linked to it. I, actually, we did. We posted it on the website, so go check that out. But uh, Mike, um, you didn't even mention our podcast once. Come on, man.
1: It's my first time on a different podcast. I will learn and not do it next time. I will be sure to uh, say something next time.
0: It's the equivalent of showing up to like an ESPN interview wearing a TXWP polo shirt or something like that. You have to actually just sneak it in there like, hey, you guys, this podcast is pretty good. But I don't know if you've heard our podcast. It's pretty good, too. You know, and then, you know, just throw it in there like casually. Okay. You're gonna be a, a common podcast guest coming up here, so just make sure that you're uh, you're looking out for you know number one. You know what I'm saying? All right. Um, new news, and uh, uh, actually I have something to do with it. It's the uh, ODP. We uh, hired a couple new coaches, which has been really fun. Caitlin Kelly is joining us on the men's youth side. Um, we might have talked about this before, but it's now sort of official, if you if it will. So Caitlin Kelly's had a lot of success down at Saint. Um, um, Agnes. Agnes. Goodness gracious. Yeah. I I, I was mm-hmm. so used to St. Mary's. Yeah. My daughter's the name. Year was, year but, year what's year. that? Yeah. The yeah, year yeah. Year. My uh, daughter's school is called St. Andrews. That's the one that comes to mind all the time. So anyway, very successful. She's worked at Viber Pigeon as well. And then uh, and then Jonathan Landero, who, we, again, we've talked about before, um, down in the Rio Grande Valley. He's going to join the uh, girls development side with uh, Coach Chris Cullen. Um, I'm delighted by both of those hires, and uh, but it's a it's a kind of a nice segue into what we wanted to talk about a little bit with uh, Jonathan Landera, which we're, whom we're going to talk with uh, later, um, and that is the growth in the Rio Grande Valley and other areas of Texas that have had some experience with water polo, but not to the same degree that other regions have.
1: Yeah, it's yeah uh, it's great that you're having kind of Jonathan on. He's yeah he's been carrying the flag. For- yeah. For water polo down in, in the Valley for the last few years. And um, I mean, he was on the, on the diversity and, and inclusion uh, kind of town hall a, co- a couple, of weeks ago as well. Um, I mean, he, it, it was Johnson's team, which is PSJA, which is far San Juan kind of Alamo ISD. Um, he started the swim programs and the water polo programs a few years ago. And they just, it, it's basically a lot of title one schools, and uh it's just an it was he added water pole because he wanted just more kids to come to the pool and they've come a long long way they had a had a had a very small number for swimming then they've and then they increased it with water pole they're building their own pools down there it's uh, it is very kind of exciting but it was it was pha and McAllen that played for a couple of years and yep. mcgallin playing and then i worked with john to get a bunch of like a a few more teams playing down there we had the los like like the los fresnos team played and we had a rio grande valley championship and then the next year it kind of exploded we had eight ten teams play and that was boys and girls so um and so it's eight to ten schools yeah yeah just both boys and girls and uh we were looking to have probably about 15 or 20 this year but obviously it kind of stopped but uh but it, it's really exciting, and uh, and Johnson's been kind of leading the way down there, and it's great. I mean, we've had some tours down there. Um, I I know Greg Meskel went down there and did like a little tour of the Rio Grande Valley, and uh, and worked with Johnson and yeah and his crew down there. And I also brought Brenda Bia down there a couple of years ago, and it was just a tremendous. And I don't think that we would have the amount of teams if we did not have Brenda go down. Oh,
0: interesting. There. Okay.
1: So um, just because I just think that was a huge presence down there. Just of obviously course. I'm kind of Olympian, an Olympic gold medalist. And just and we just brought her around and she talked to a bunch of people that had no idea about water polo. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was it was tremendous. So.
0: What's a – did you call it a level one school? Is that what you called it? What is that?
1: Title, Title one school. Uh,
0: sorry, say it again. Sorry. Title one school. And what does that mean?
1: Uh, that means we're the, like the majority of the kids are on – for your reduced lunch.
0: Oh, okay. I, it's, I honestly just didn't even know what it was. So yeah, I'm, I'm learning, learning something new all the time. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Um, yeah. and well, you've also Laredo. spread out to Laredo.
1: I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, there was some Laredo stuff like there. Um, we have a couple places down there that are ready to start playing kind of once we get back to normal. We also have El Paso. Um, we've had some success. Yeah. We've had some sex success kind of working with, the city of El Paso and also the Corpus Christi kind of area. We were hoping to have the games of Texas there this summer, but that just didn't work out. But um, there's a lot of places that are primed and just ready to explode once we get, yeah, kind of once we get back in the water.
0: A couple excited. years, a couple of years ago, I think you were there for the TISCA meetings, and there were some representatives from the Permian Basin area, I think, right? And uh, they they had some interest. I don't. They were rightly concerned about finding competition against, again, because of just these enormous distances. But uh, there's a. I'm 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 actually sort of curious about even the other areas that you think might be uh, targets for for more water polo.
1: Yeah. So like like the Permian Basin is also out in the Midland Odessa area. Yeah. So then you got the Lubbock area and um yeah. and the Amarillo. And, and we we have, we got some East Texas with like you know in like in like Tyler, Texas and such. But we can. But there's still and then obviously like Bryan, College Station. But there's still a lot of growth still to happen in sure. Houston, North Texas, in Austin and in San Antonio. No doubt. So I mean, it like you know I think I've said this uh, a couple of different times that yeah, just people just go, oh Joe, yeah, it's yeah, like uh, like you guys have done. St- kind of kind of such a good job and i'm like yeah but there's still so much more to do so much more to do and i was like you were talking about the podcast that the uh, kind of that i was on i was like i like we want to be as big as california i don't right. know if that's gonna take that's four, it ten years, four years but we can be we have the ability to be so let's go do it and um it's just it's going to take time and um and then uh, another thing we talked about there is like, yeah, as far as the competition is concerned, is you can't just have one school start in the middle of nowhere. It's going to have to be like a school district starts. So they always have themselves to play. Yep. And then they can always go out. So they might play themselves uh, multiple and multiple times the first year. but Then they get the neighboring school district to play the next year, the neighboring school district to play after that. And then they can choose. As their teams become competitive or kind of or kind of what the coach wants to do, then they can start kind of traveling to, to the like, you know, like the next major kind of area. You yeah. so it's yeah, it's one of the things where it's not it's not as simple as just getting one school to start. No, no, we need to get a group of schools to start. at Yeah. That, the time, and that's kind of the key. And it's not only that. It's also kind of building up if they start. Well, they well, They're going to need referees. They're in need coaching clinics. Yeah, they're in need uh, like yeah you know, like the equipment. So there's a lot of things to do. So
0: I I'm I was curious about it in terms of um like you're saying like we there's a bit of uh, a bit that we want to be like California and I agree with that notion in this way which is I don't think it would be um, as successful as it could be if it was just sort of Dallas, Austin, San Antonio and Houston and growing within those regions which is which is you're totally right there's way more room for growth in in all of those regions but one of the things about California that at least is a a difference from you know the 80s when i was growing up was that it spread everywhere i mean not entirely everywhere it's like the you know mendocino county to the north and then into the valley and, and and but then all the way through southern california so it's geographically diverse too and that would be to me a sign of real progress in this state i know we have a long way to go but that's that's the kind of way that i would look at it
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just said, we, yeah, just our goal is to get as many schools playing as possible. And then because schools are playing, then they're going to want to play outside yeah. like And so then that's going to be the increase in clubs and then the kids, and then the, and then the overall level of play is going to increase each year, each year, each year. So it's not going to be an overnight thing. It's not going to just kind of blow up and then we're going to have, you know, kind of five or kind of high schools and a hundred different clubs playing in Texas kind of right away, but we are going to slowly get there. Right. And it's going, to be, it's going to be baby steps because we have to remember, you say that about California. had just – it's been a sanctioned sport in California since 1960. So it's 60 years. And 58, have, I think. Yeah, and they did not even have women's added until the mid-90s. 96. So, so. I mean, this is – I mean, there's still a lot of growth even in – yeah, even in California. So, um, yeah, it happened. So we have a ton of growth here. Um like the opportunity there, we have people that want to do it. Just, you know, everybody's in a holding pattern right
0: now. Yeah. <laughs> this pandemic thing, man, that is changing everything. I have it in our notes that we're supposed to talk about that, but I mean, it's the, it, it's just, it affects everything. Like all of this is speculation and it's good speculation. It's, we want to hit the ground running when stuff up, reopens, but boy, we are really uh, stifled for the, at least for the time being.
1: Yeah, no, but it's okay. But, the, but the good thing is, We're planning and we're communicating. We're talking. Uh, There's opportunities for the coaches to get educated. There's a lot of opportunities that hopefully people are taking.
0: Yeah. It's been, hey, personally, it's been fantastic. And I've got coaches on my staff who are doing the same stuff as well. It's really been very useful. All right. So, yeah, we'll come back and talk with Jonathan Landero right after this. Hi, this is Natalie Benson, and you are listening to a podcast about water polo in Texas. He's the aquatics director at PSJAISD, the head coach at Rio Grande Valley Aquatics, and the newest addition to our Southwest Zone Olympic Development Program coaching staff. It's Jonathan Landera How are you, Jonathan?
2: I'm doing great, James. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So, what's going on? Actually, if you can just synopsize what's happening where you are with relation to to COVID, I think we, you and I spoke off the air a little bit about how your club is a little bit on hiatus. I think, right? Because uh, right for for a variety of reasons. But what's what's going on down there with the COVID? First of all,
2: uh, well, it's kind of put everything on hold. I'm sure, like every everywhere else in the state. Uh, but just recently, Doggle County, which is the county that. Uh, encompasses the majority of the schools that uh, we play against. And I think Cameron County, which is in, the the neighboring county also, uh, is about to do something similar, but they just uh, signed an order of some sort that says that all schools in Hidalgo County cannot even begin in-person instruction until September 27th. Uh, and so that's kind of putting athletics in a little of a bit of a bind, you know, everybody's talking about what's going to happen with the seasons and, and whether we're going to get to start or have a, an efficient season at all. And, and I mean, at least in football, swimming is a little bit of a longer sport, and, and we won't start water polo technically until the March. Uh, so that's a little bit of an advantage for water polo. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's very uncertain, and, um, you know, it's something that needed to be done because we're considered a hot spot now. Uh, cases are soaring here, and so um, they just want to take proper precautions so that we can enjoy – uh, normal life later, quicker.
0: Well, it sounds like your district is following suit from, you know, other places. I mean, Los Angeles, San Diego yesterday announced huge, um, shut, essentially, they're, they're not going back to school this fall. Austin ISD is doing something similar, apparently, Round Rock ISD, where I work as well. I'm not in the ISD, I'm just, that's the area that I work in. Um, are, do you get sort of updates about what's going on with sports uh, altogether? Because, and I'm asking because football is the driver for much of this. I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's the same where you are. Um, yes. And they're getting mixed messages, as far as I know. Like they are actually doing practices where they have physical contact, and so I, I it just feels like they're pushing very hard to have a sports season because they want to have a football season
2: well I don't know if I can say that it's simply football yes it is uh the you know King King football's king in, in Texas and in such a big big state but uh, I do get updates uh um, regularly from my athletics director um, and so we're it's but since there's so much uncertainty we we really kind of are at the mercy of of the state in general uh, but more so now that there's a little more local um, control uh, it's gonna it's gonna come down to the county and, and what they think is best because I know even uh, the city of far mayor had, had said we, we wouldn't be able to start until cases were down. So, um, you know, it's it's everywhere right now. And so I think the last thing on some certain people's uh, minds is is sports, you know, people like us that are in, in it. Well, it's, it's probably one of our motivating factors to get back to work, but everybody else just uh, is hoping that, you know, we even have a school right. year, right? So um that's probably the the most important thing
0: it's the, the speculating about this is is like almost a parlor game like nobody knows what's really going to go on so it's just endlessly interesting to talk about but let's jump ahead actually a bit because and let's presume that in the fall of 2020 tw- excuse me 2021 that, that there will be the first UIL water polo season so you're in what I would say is a pretty unique situation. You are the aquatics director for an entire school district. What, what, how do you foresee that your area will enter the high school water polo scene as a UIL member? So I'm, I'm meaning that there are lots of high schools in your area. Right. Uh,
2: well, I think definitely we'll we'll be a dominant district in general because we've been doing it for a little bit longer and we've employed some programs that are unique. And uh, I. I I don't know if they, they exist in many other districts, but I think we'll be a major player in the area. Uh, we have been so far, and for, for the longest time, we were the only player in the area. And, and so it, it's been exciting to see other, other school districts come on board. And, uh, but I definitely see us as a leader in, in aquatics, not just in water polo, but in, in general. Um, and uh, water polo for sure is going to be, um, I think, going to be something that PSJ will be known for for a while.
0: Which schools? So, uh, m- m- let people know exactly the schools that you think are going to field teams in the fall of 2021.
2: Uh, well, it looks like um, our major our major schools. I think we will ha- field all f- teams on all four four schools. Uh, which is Parson Juan Alamo ISD Early College. Well, Parson Far- Juan Alamo Early College High School. Uh, that's the first school in the of the ISD, and then they added on uh, P.S.J. North Early College High School, and then P.S.J. Memorial Early College High School, and then PSJ Southwest Early College High School. So PSJ High, uh, North and PSJ Southwest are in Bar. Uh, PSJ High is in San Juan, and then PSJ Memorial is in Alamo. So it's a tri city area, three towns that, uh, you know, and can pass the whole district
0: got it and and uh I know that um I know that a, a, they a couple of them have already played they've already been members of the tisco West region in the past, and so th- this is southwest in particular I remember from a couple of years ago um mm-hmm. and have uh so anyway they're they're all queued up to go in twenty twenty one it was just it's curious to me because I admit i've never been down there um by the way, there are plans for that to change but and so I'll meet you down there at some point'll you'll I'll you'll know first. <laughs> I'll have but, the
2: tacos ready for you, man.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's the last <laughs> thing I need is delicious tacos. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, th- that's going to happen, but, but I'm, you know, I'm obviously fascinated by the area and that you've, uh, been a bit of the Pied Piper down there, getting things up and running. So how did you get started in aquatics?
2: Well, in aquatics, um, I didn't get started until my freshman year in high school actually. Um, but, uh, as a, as a swimmer, and that's because I got hurt in football and, um, you know, Good. I was five, Good. six, 120 pounds. And I thought I was going to go to the NFL. Right. So, <laughs> so like, uh, like a lot of kids in the Valley actually, but, um, but I got hurt. And so the doctor said I couldn't do uh, contact sports for oh, like wow. a year or two and, and suggested that I get into swimming because it would actually strengthen my back, which is what I hurt. And, um, it, it was a very small team. It was like four of us, five of us. And we got, I got into it. And, um, uh, and you know, I was I was more of a team sport guy, so I, I wasn't quickly turned on to swimming, but it's something that I kind of excelled on, so I stuck with it. And uh, and then from then on, um, I went on to actually got a, a small a partial scholarship to swim in college, and that's how I kind of came into contact with water polo because Lindenwood University in, in St. Charles um, had a had a big uh, push for club water polo, and so that's how I. I came into contact with it. My, my, my stay at Lindenwood wasn't very long. Um, you know, I came up with, with some, uh, some financial hardships through, uh, family stuff. And, and so I ended up coming back to Texas and finishing off at, at Texas state where they also kind of had a club. And, um, I got into some different things and I was kind of sick of, of aquatics for, doing aquatics for a while. So I didn't pursue it a whole lot, but, um, but uh, that's, that's been my, that was my association with swimming and, 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 the, and water polo in general. But when I learned about water polo, it was a game changer because I was really into team sports and I was, I was pretty into swimming. And so it just kind of blew my mind.
0: When you were at Lindenwood, was that a, uh, a student coached team then? Because since then they had hired, you know, some fairly well-known St. Louis area coaches to to coach. I don't, I don't know what the status was when, when you were there.
2: Um it, I I didn't participate in it so mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember exactly what it was but But you're exposed um, to it. Yeah the coach uh, Craig Penrose, uh, pushed it a lot which was the swim coach and he said you know Got you do it. water polo in the off season and uh, and they were really pushing for it and I know there's a lot of uh, international uh, students there. Exactly. Uh, in g- in general Lindenwood had a lot of international students and so in, on the swim team there's a lot of uh, South American uh, student athletes and I know there's a lot of uh, uh, Spanish athletes as well
0: yeah the <laughs> lindenwood uh is a national champion uh at the, at the club level and uh i will say they played um ucla i believe in this in the uh man that might not that might not be right it might be berkeley but one of those two california schools and uh i will editorialize it was one of the worst water polo games i've ever seen now they were <laughs> highly talented they have a but they had a bunch of spanish guys they had some eastern europeans as well Mm-hmm. And uh they were quite physical and so on, but oh man, the quality of that game was terrible. <laughs> I mean, anyway, but Lindenwood has he been hugely successful and has been in you know in in water polo circles. It's you know one of these places. It's like why does this not have a varsity program? So anyway, we'll you know on the road, what's going on? So so that's how you got into water polo. Um, you you came back to the Rio Grande Valley in general. Did you have? an aim to grow water polo specifically or was it just a matter of sort of happenstance
2: no no i i've i've wanted to do water polo since i was in college in general um and uh and i knew that uh once i got an opportunity to that that i would um uh, that i would get to do it and so when i came back to the valley um and i got the job at uh far San juan alamo uh, i saw it as an opportunity because they had never had a program to begin like uh, a swimming program to begin with. I think they had one in the eighties for like a year or two and then it got shut down pretty quickly. Uh, but uh, essentially it was non-existent and, uh, and PSJA, uh, you know, is, a, is also a, a lower socioeconomic area as well. And so I saw an opportunity that once I got swimming going um, that I could, you know, stick water pool with it since it was brand new, might as well do it all at once. And so,
0: Oh, you snuck and, it in there.
2: I snuck at it. So even our first year, I asked my athletic director and he was like, let's just get our feet wet with <laughs> swimming first. And, and, uh, you know, I, I took what I could, but we ended up just playing with a volleyball and some soccer nets in, in the water to, to get the kids going. And, and, uh, it was a, you know, it was a breath, a breath of fresh air for them because you know, swimming could be monotonous. And so, um, you know, it was still the first year that it even happened. We only had about Ten kids, twelve kids, something like that, from from the entire school district. Four high schools, which were, I think, uh, two two six a or three six a at the time, and one five a. And so our numbers were pretty low. But once I got them going with that water polo, it, things started kind of picking up.
0: Yeah, it's it to me, it's been nothing but a success story, really. And, and only in the it's fair to say, maybe the seven years in the last seven years or so, you know, something like that. Um, and I don't know if you had a chance to listen to my conversation with, uh, with um, Brenda Villa, um, mm-hmm. but we obviously have spoken about, and she visited there, I think, in 2017. And apparently, it was, she was uh, quite a driver toward growing the sport down there. I don't know if that's true. You can tell me if that's wrong. I'm curious about whether you spoke of specifically about people talk about importing the commerce model. And mm-hmm. she and I spoke about that because I'm not certain that you can airdrop, you know, a specific model, but that you can follow certain themes that were successful mm-hmm. in commerce. And I'm, I'm just curious about whether you think, how, how do you think that might help somebody like her, you know, coming in and, uh, and you know, talking to you guys in, in your area, or is it something that you're just going to do on your own?
2: no no um i 'm trying to get as many resources as i possibly can um i you know I had heard of Brenda villa when i when I was doing water, but like i said I, I wasn't I was never like one hundred percent in the sport i wasn't even really exposed to it until I was like in my twenties so um I had heard of Brenda Villa, but I had never really understood or known about the commerce water uh model but but you know simultaneously while I was learning about commerce, we were already doing a lot of what commerce was. Okay was doing to begin with. And so like what, I, like what? Well, uh, we, the farce of Juan Alamo provides a lot of, a lot of uh, services to the community in general at uh, pretty much no cost. You know, we have after school sports and, um, we, now, uh, at the, when we first started, we didn't have these programs, but about three years ago, right after, uh, actually the year that Brenda Villa came to visit us, we had just started our sixth grade program. Um, and the only reason we don't offer for younger kids, uh, Uh, is because we just don't have the school space but sixth graders at our school district could uh, take an intro to aquatics class where they learn about swimming diving and water polo and so uh, kids that can't join the class for whatever reason scheduling services or I mean conflicts or or just other tutoring services that they can't do we actually provide if they can come after school for free and uh, and catch up on what they didn't catch up in that class and so we see it as, as very valuable but um, the only reason we don't have more programs is just because we're kind of in a we're kind of in a tight situation with how we can provide services with our swimming pool. Uh, uh, and that's because it, we're in a 50 50 partnership with the city of far and uh, it's technically a HUD facility. So there are very strict regulations as to what you could do in terms of club and and those sort of things. And so
0: can you so share a couple of those restrictions? I'm, I'm curious about what they might be.
2: Well, um, as far as I understand, it's supposed to be that we can't uh, have organized sports unless it's provided at a very low cost or something of that sort. And so um, when it's, we're we're now trying to figure that out. And so since we have very limited pool time, you know, 50% of the time, uh, 50% of the time belongs to the school district. And then 50% of the time technically belongs to the city. We still, uh, it's. The way the hours work just don't allow for all the programs that we want to to create. And so um, as we're prioritizing at the moment, and so things that have to do directly with our school curriculum are going to take precedence over clubs and, and, and swim lessons and things of that sort until we can have enough pool time.
0: Okay, well, that's that. At least it shares a little bit with commerce, and I don't want to dwell on you know comparisons between these two. But one thing that she mentioned that was new to me, which I didn't know because I grew up playing against those guys from Commerce, was that it, it was like you said, it was a community program that was intended to basically provide free or very low cost things to do for a bunch of kids. And so that's what it. it so it wasn't just water polo; it was basketball and other other sports as well. And it sounds mm-hmm. to me like you're doing something similar at least, and you have a pretty tight knit community from conversations you and I have had in the past as well. Right.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. The city of far actually provides a lot of low cost programs. Uh, you know, it's very, very cheap. I think it's like 30 bucks for a season in all sports. And so we're trying to, I, we're trying to work with them and reproducing some of those things, uh, so that they can provide water polo because the school district is limited in what we could provide as a, as an organized sport. And so I don't know if i may, That probably didn't come clear when I was talking about strict regulations, but, but the city of far can provide those things. It's just the school district not necessarily provide those things. So, um, it's just that city of far and PSJ sometimes are used interchangeable and and they gotta, you know, some people don't understand that it's two different entities.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then it's curious so like, how does your club fit into that, that dynamic? If, if it does
2: right well uh we're in the process of building three pools so um so that's that's not going to be an issue anymore because uh we won't have to necessarily work out of the current facility that we're working out of so we're in the process of building um two pools at two of the high schools which is psj memorial in alamo and then psj high in, in san juan and those are going to be 25 yard by 25 meter uh pools with a separate instructional pool uh, locker rooms little weight room and everything so it's it's a pretty nice setup and then with the city of Far, we're in the, in the process of building a 50 meter natatorium, which is actually the exact same layout as the UT Austin pool. The only difference is that I think we offer that we're only going to offer about 1,000 uh, spectator seatings, uh, as opposed to I think UT Austin has like 1,800, I, I believe. And so we'll have less seating, but uh, it's almost essentially the same pool. And and uh, you know, there's talks of of partnerships with with the the UTRGV here.
0: Wow. Okay. So. Um... <laughs> That, I, I was shaking my head. Nobody can see that, but it was like I, I'm hoping that the city of Round Rock is listening to this because we can't get a single pool built, and you've got three or four basically coming up. So I'm 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 jealous. Maybe I'll be moving. Yeah,
2: yeah um, we're 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 super excited, and actually talked to David Hansen about it when we when we're that's right. water polo and into that.
0: David Hanson's uh. I don't think he's any longer. I coached his son and he's now uh, graduated, but uh, he was a member of the board of the the round rock high school water polo boosters. Yeah. So he, and and an attorney, so he sort of is interested in growth of the pool in round rock in particular helped put that on the, on the the ballot. Um, But that's a little too inside baseball. That's just my own personal problem. Uh, (laughs) So uh, let's move on, because uh, you were a part of the diversity panel that was hosted by USA Water Polo, oh gosh, it feels like a lifetime ago. I mean, things are flying by so much. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I thought you said some really interesting things, because there it was a pretty wide-ranging um, conversation. I'm wondering, given what's going on everywhere, if you have sort of general thoughts about what role sports and what role water polo can play in ch- making things change or even just about what is it that you would want to share about how the sport can grow in the state of Texas. And that means all communities, you know, not just Hispanic ones, but just everywhere. If you have an opinion on this.
2: Yeah. Uh, well I think sports are going to be very it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. First of all, with COVID, right, and and uh, and what's what's going to happen in the future if we have to get a vaccine or whatever it is that they're talking about, so that we can go back to normal. And uh, but I think that uh, during this this Corona time, where this Black Lives Matter movement really kind of took off, it's opened up the door for a lot of conversations, right? And that I think that was kind of the the. The catalyst for this water, this podcast, or the diversity panel that that we had not too long ago, and and it was very interesting to to hear because, uh, you know, I had never even really thought about organizations that um, that promote aquatics in in uh, in in minority you know communities, right? And so I looked it up and and uh, previously to to our podcast, but I looked it up and I saw that there was essentially no organizations that that uh kind of cater to the hispanic or the latino x uh the latin latin community and so so i i feel like this movement is going to help grow the sport of water polo in texas in general you know inadvertently because it's going to be more inclusive right i think uh i think part of the barriers that that uh that exist in in um and you know, and and people of colors communities have to do with axes, have to do with self, you know, with identity, and uh, and all those things. And so, aquatics in in general has been traditionally, uh, you know, white. So, so I think the fact that it's going to be more inclusive is going to help grow the sport inadvertently, right? It's not necessarily. Uh, only because we got to grow water polo for the sake of water polo, but because of this cultural kind of revolution, uh, all things that used to be kind of exclusive to to uh, the the white community are going to include those. And if you really think about it, uh, you know Texas in g- in general is is got a, a large population of Latinx uh, residents, right? And and uh, those are actually the only ones that that they can count. <laughs> so so. I think I think it's it's going to be interesting to to see that this sport grow in in the community because you know um, I think it's going to be first of all Texas is super hot and um, contact sports are going to be questionable in the time of COVID and even though water pool is a contact sport you know you're splashing around in in treated water that kills pretty much everything right so uh, I mean of course not everything but it, a lot of the a large part of, of what can get you sick. And so I think it's going to, it's going to be Warpool in general and aquatics are going to benefit from, from this kind of situation as, as, as rough as that sounds. Um, but I think just being inclusive of the population is, will really help it grow because if, if, um, if people feel like they're welcomed at a, in a sport uh, that is interesting, but maybe not for you because you don't match the, you know the demographics of the traditional demographics of the sport. It'll definitely um, it'll definitely grow organically. I feel.
0: Yeah, the and you know you and I have had a, a relationship for a while, meaning that I was the zone chair for well, it's not the zone chair but the West Region chair for a while, and also head coach at Round Rock, where we were hosting state cha- or regional championships and such. And you conveyed to me at one point, I don't know if uh, if this is something that you wanted to share, but something that was. Uh, I, I feel a lot of times that I'm pretty clueless about this stuff. I just feel like people in general are, you know, generally speaking pretty fair, but apparently, you know, during games that you were playing and succeeding when you were coming up to Round Rock, people were saying things that were just not very kind. And, you know, that were sort of racially specific or or ethnically right. specific. And, and so you opened my eyes to that a little bit. And I, I was actually, I got mad because I, I didn't even think about it, but it, it, you know, the, if we had hosted it the next year, then it would have been really clear that we would have started booting people out of our facility for that kind of thing, so yeah you yeah, opened my eyes about that, but that it that's it does not sound to me like that was a unique experience for you and your team, like and it, it doesn't yeah, just tell me more about that
2: yeah no no, it actually happened often whenever we we'd go to any tournament outside of of the valley i mean we, we didn't well like we'd never had tournaments down here, so uh, you know we would fundraise and, and, and uh, beg and <laughs> and plead with uh, the with athletic, athletic director to let us go to these tournaments, right? And so we would work really hard to get up there. And, and um, you know, and then we would face some of these things. And initially, it was kind of a shock for some of them because, uh, you know, Valley is its own little microcosm. You We're 99, probably 99.9% Hispanic. So they don't experience racism the way uh, other people experience it until they get out, right? And some of these kids never get out of their hometown, you know? Uh, I was just talking to one of my, my former uh, players that is now uh, becoming a water polo ref that he told me, you know, I had never even been out of, uh, of our town until you took us on that water polo tournament to, to Round Rock. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it really affirmed the reasons why I was down here and the things that I was doing. And so when we would go to these tournaments, we'd always get these you know, little snarky comments about, Oh, look, uh, you know, did you guys have to swim to get here across the border? we <laughs> we'd hear like, Oh, you guys speak Mexican and we're like, well, Mexican is a nationality, not a language. Right. And so, you know, even our darker colored, um, uh, guys, one of them got called the N word during one of the, the games. Uh, and so it was just like, a lot of them were just kind of shocked. Like, Whoa, you know, I've never seen this before. We used it as fuel. Right. Uh, for right. Fire and, and, and whatnot, but, um, it, it was definitely eye-opening and, and I feel like it was a good teaching moment for them because it taught them resilience. You know, some of them kind of, you know, they took it hard and, and didn't know how to handle it. And some of them took it and, and kept moving forward. But, but resilience was kind of the theme uh, and it was a motivating factor for them. Right. Because we couldn't play really that many teams outside of Mackay high down here. Um, and so whenever we'd go up uh, and play against other teams, it was just like, whoa, what's going on? Like, this is this is really difficult, right? And anytime that things, you know, it's, water polo is a, an aggressive sport. So sometimes things get a little, you know, you get a little chippy or whatever. Yeah. And uh, to automatically be labeled as like a criminal or like a bad intention just because you have darker skin or because you're Mexican was a little bit like offsetting for some of them, right? It was, I was even playing, it was, it was, one coach in particular that that uh you know I I was surprised at the way he reacted during that one game because initially he was very welcoming and very nice and you know I think maybe he was also being that way because he thought he was superior as a coach or whatever because he's been along and, and for whatever but our girls you know they they're aggressive they're gonna play the game as what whatever they can play in within the rules of the game and and uh, you know for him to be calling them oh, what they're doing is a crime these girls are criminals it was it kind of like threw me off like you know I could expect it from the fans I could even possibly expect it from the athletes when they get upset but to hear it from another coach that is trying to supposedly grow the sport and be inclusive and whatever was kind of like whoa this is you know this is going beyond what I thought was just going to be like simple discrimination and so that was really eye-opening and and uh and it also motivated me to really push the valley to grow the sport as well because not only do we get to play more often and not have to travel out of out of here right but the higher the competition gets down here the better we're going to get and the better we're going to get the better the better we're going to be competitive or the more competitive we're going to be when we get out of the valley so
0: and and well you you talked about how it was educational for your team but I am absolutely certain it was educational for teams that are very insular up in our area as well and as your club i'm assuming will expand at some point you'll be playing in different places around the state and so anyway that that's heartening to me like that that you the resilience message is you know one that i admire a great deal and given that and then given also just you know these unacceptable things that you experience it's going to be good for other teams in this state and and hopefully elsewhere to experience something that you know they haven't actually seen much before I I think it's nothing but good for the sport
2: yeah for sure I mean we we I mean it was kind of unfortunate to face but I I feel I feel like it's part of the the growth and and uh you know have no regrets about it or anything and I wouldn't want to shelter the the my athletes from from any of it because it's it's necessary for growth on both ends of the, the spectrum
0: um I hope, by the way, that that coach was not me that you're talking about. So uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't think it was. <laughs> uh, I wanted to uh, start a, a, a um, conflict with you. That's you cool. actually provided my Round Rock boys with one of the most, for me, one of the most disappointing coaching experience that I ever had. Because <laughs> you sh- showed up and you had a system in place. Like you had, it was it was very clear that some of your athletes might be sort of like a little less advanced in terms of let's say swimming, you know, something like that. And so uh-huh. you set up this offense that frustrated the, you know, what out of, uh, out of my team. <laughs> and I thought that team that I had at round rock was pretty good. And their coach failed them like to, because I just didn't react to your crazy offense that, that had not <laughs> been seen. And we ended up in a 10, 10 tie. So yeah, we will have a conflict about that for the rest of our lives. That made me. Yeah. That made me realize my shortcomings as a coach for sure.
2: <laughs> well,
0: and I remember that game
2: specifically because because um, I was really upset that we didn't get the win because you actually set up your offense on the like last three seconds of the game because we were up 10-9. and you set it up in a way that you know we're still pretty new so the kids didn't know how to react to your set plays, and that ball just kind of rolled into the goal it wasn't even like a good shot it got like I think I think it got like blocked along the way and it just kind of rolled right in man dude, there was, we had I think we had like four seconds left after that and we just didn't and we missed the shot or something like that I can't remember but it was it was a really exciting game
0: well I'm glad that worked because that's the exact play that I called was to have it roll over the line very very slowly um, so <laughs> shows you my genius of coaching <laughs> Well, I, I, it was a, such a memorable thing because of course I wanted to win that game. No, you know, neither one of us wanted to lose that game, but it is memorable because it was so cool to have this team come up and, and just show us something completely different. And, and it's really fun because I've been around the game for quite a while and at fairly high levels is that when coaches can be creative in order to take advantage of their strengths and, and sometimes hide their weaknesses. It's really fun to watch. So I learned a lot from that, but I still, you know, I'm still, mad. <laughs>
2: we can rematch anytime.
0: I know someday, someday, if I ever coach in high school again, I would absolutely do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, that, was, that was fun.
0: That was fun. Well, Jonathan, I do very much appreciate your time and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, James. Thanks for having us. OK, that was a conversation with Jonathan Landero from the Rio Grande Valley and a couple other things just to talk about before we get out of here. What's on your calendar, Joe?
1: Yeah, we got the Texas Coaches Coaches this upcoming Thursday at 1230 with Sean Flood. Then next week we will resume the town hall meetings on Tuesdays at, at, at 630. Then, of course, the Coaches Coaches at 1230 through the end of the month. So.
0: And what else, Joe? What are you doing yourself?
1: Well, I'm also on the Spin Lob podcast for next week.
0: How so is it that you get all those gigs? How does that work?
1: Uh, I'm, I guess I'm the analyst, James. Mr. Personality,
0: you know. Yeah. And
1: you're just the play-by-play
0: guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm two podcasts behind you now, man. Like, although we both spoke with Maskell back in the... Uh, what was that called? The Spinlop? 2? No. Uh Skipshot. Skip, shot, skip shot. Anyway. All right. Well, good. Yeah, once again, make sure that you mention the show when you're on there. Okay. Um, that, <laughs> all right. Thank, uh, thank you, Joe. And good luck with your move once again.
1: All right. Yeah, sounds good. I'll talk to you from from San Antonio next week.
0: Okay. One more week. Um, Thanks again to Jonathan Landero. Thank you for listening and telling a friend about the TX Water Polo podcast. And special thanks to our fabulous donors who keep us doing what we're doing. And uh, if you want to contribute, go to TXWaterPolo.com forward slash give. And until next week, so long from Austin.
2: Inside and open, I believe in the horizon of a
0: better place. Busy hanging out my thoughts to dry, cause I've been in the rain of my unconscious ways. Trying to turn the world into.
2: This has been a production of TWP Sports LLC.